Hi, Jim here. Thanks for listening to this past episode of the Ski Podcast. Since releasing this podcast, we have a new supporter of the show. The Ski Podcast is now supported by Switzerland Tourism. They will be helping us explore some of the 355 ski destinations across the country, from famous names of Samaritz, Lax, Davos and Zermatt, to the lesser-known resorts that cover their mountainous land. We will be reporting on them and telling interesting stories about the people who live and work there. In total, there are 7,067 kilometres of slopes to ski and 1,800 lifts to ride and at least 80 of them are funiculars, which is good because I do love a good funicular. Well, there's a lot to do, so while we get on with that, you can get on with listening to this episode of the Ski Podcast. Thanks, listener, and thanks, Switzerland Tourism. Also, as you're listening to one of our early podcasts, may I suggest you skip to at least episode 12, where I guarantee it gets much better. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Knowledge is Powder, the Ski Podcast. I am Jim Duncan and my co-host is Ian Martin. Um, This week I've been wondering whether mooing will ever make a comeback on cable cars, Um, but we'll leave that for now. Um, We are joined by Crystal Kubicki, uh, Marketing Manager at Igloo Ski, the largest ski specialist travel agent in the UK. Hello, Crystal. Hello, how are you? Great intro. Very good. Did I get your name correct? Um, It was a little bit wrong, I'm afraid, but it's okay. I'm kind of used to it. It's Crystal Kubicki. Kubicki, ah, yeah. should have known. Polish pronunciation. Have you been skiing recently? I have. Um, I got out twice in December, so very lucky so far. Um, once at the start of December in Teen, um, that was a work trip. A uh, great few days. It was kind of before the big like snowmageddon weekends. So, but the conditions were brilliant, as it is always in Teen at the start of the season. And and then I was in Teen, uh, sorry, Morzine for New Year with some friends. So conditions were a bit up and down, but again, great for like Morzine, which is quite a low resort normally um, for this time of year. Um, it did rain on the first day, which was a little disappointing. But again, just really great snow and really good fun. And there's plenty to do in Morzine if you're not on the slopes. So yeah, great spot for New Year. Sorry, once again, I got it wrong. You're a snowboarder, you don't ski, do you? I am a snowboarder, yes. But I mean, I snowboarded. I'd snowboard mainly, do it quite a lot. Um, do, you, do, you, do you get upset if people say it's a ski holiday? Or you're not no, bothered? no, I'm so it's used to it now. Term. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, ski, snowboard. I try and say ski and snowboarding, but it's just easier if you just say ski. Right, it's fine. <laughs> I'm not offended. It's, it's a shorter word. Exactly, no offence yeah. taken. Ian, have you been skiing? Yeah, I was <clears throat> I was out uh, last week in the uh, French Pyrenees. So the last day I skied was on Sunday of last week. I think we're going to hear more about that uh, later on in the show. Um, I've not been skiing since we last spoke, but I am going to Maribel and in a month's time, which I'm very excited about. Coming up in this week's show, we'll be talking about boozing on the slopes, the middle-class skier, skiing in the Pyrenees, uh, chatting to Crystal, and the Winter Games is looming large, so we'll be visiting Korean Corner. Yeah, well, I mean, we do want to uh, get your reviews and we want to, uh, you know, love to get some feedback on what you think about the uh, podcast. And the, probably the easiest way to do it is via Twitter. And our, our uh, handle is The Ski Podcast. So Twitter uh, at The Ski Podcast. So you can um, uh, get in contact with us there and follow what's going on there. And when we talk about uh, um, this, well, what we talk about during this uh, podcast, we'll be tweeting out some links afterwards so you can kind of follow them up and uh, and get your own opinion and also we'd love to have your uh, reviews on itunes uh, as well because that helps other people uh, find us we're up to 11 five-star ratings now 
but still uh, no comments. So make a few make a few comments on there as well. Uh, that would be great. Okay, first this week we are going to start with the snow report. Since we last recorded at the beginning of Jan, there has been a load of snow falling around the globe. There's even been fresh snow in Scotland. And more exciting than that, the snow in Scotland was followed by some sunshine. Um, over in the States, uh, in Colorado, uh, they've been struggling with snowfall, meaning that their usually deep snowpack is um, shrinking somewhat. There was some small relief last week when some snow came down but statistically speaking they are um, struggling with snow on previous years but what's more interestingly that it's actually a water issue um, so the precipitation has been low meaning that there could be a drought in Colorado and forcing them to the, the snow cannons to being switched off totally um, until they get more snow so big worries over there for them um, but in the Alps the big news is that we've had another fortnight of snowstorms which has led to some resorts receiving over three meters of snow um, access to resorts has been closed in many cases including the widely reporting stranding of thousands of people in Zermatt um, one tour up response uh, one tour operator's response was to the hype um, the skiing is good the sky is blue and with plenty of wine everyone is happy that's not a di- it's not a direct quote I think that's basically what he said um, uh, the snow has also inevitably resulted in high avalanche risk. On the 9th of January, Val d'Azer issued a code red warning. Uh, many resorts issued nighttime curfews, um, insisting people didn't go to the pub and just stayed inside instead. Um, the deepest reported snow so far is from Engelbert in Switzerland, um, and they're claiming 515 centimetres or over 17 feet. Um, there's, been, there's been pictures of snowfield doorways, buried chairlifts and buses driving along roads with walls of snow that clear the top of the vehicle. Um, High winds that have carried the snow has also forced resorts to close. The majority of lifts, um, and rightly so, if you look at some of the very scary videos being uploaded on social media, and but it, what it means is between the snowstorms, the skiing is generally excellent. And some people um, have been saying it's really quiet on the slopes as well. Ian, is there too much snow? Uh, I think there's only too much snow if you happen to be out on holiday in resort and say you're there for kind of, uh, you know, six days of skiing. And it happens that those six days it's just snowing the whole time. You know, loads of snow is brilliant if you're uh, if you're arriving just after. But it's not so good if you're uh, there. And, you know, there have been a few days when resorts have had to close down completely because of the because uh, of the high winds. But in most cases, you can always get skiing in and you can go and ski between the, uh, the trees or where you get better uh, definition. So in general, no, you can't get too much snow. Let's have it. It's also pretty handy for uh, marketers, isn't it, Crystal? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you would never expect these kind of sort of bookings um, that we've had for sort of December and the start of January, like for the last two years. So whereas like the last two Decembers, you know, it has been a struggle when there's been basically no snow until January, really. So having this amount of snow the last sort of six weeks or whatever, it's just been absolute. it's been easy. Yeah, <laughs> it just makes January so much from, easier. You know, the different clients and different people that I'm, I'm working with seeing the same thing, you know, it's, it is a good season for sales and it just makes sense. You know? Yeah. Like if I, if we didn't, if I didn't have uh, kids, I think we discussed this before, how old are I'm prepared to, to uh, them to be before we leave them at home you know we'd be going out because there's some amazing uh, deals and there's some really good snow and you know so why exactly. why it's wouldn't perfect. you you know if you if you've 
you know got the holiday time and you can get away just get out there and i think that you know people can always sell uh, half term week uh, but uh, you know this period in january and even early february doesn't necessarily sell so well and this year it is selling really well Exactly. And we've seen a great knock-on effect for next season as well, whereas December's up huge, um, especially compared to this time last year. Yeah, so um, yeah. It's, yeah, well, it's, you know, there's it's great. so much snow, it'll probably still be there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm um, just hiding in their warehouses. Um, so with all this snow, we've been using the term snowmageddon. Is that is that cutting the mustard? Do we need to find a different way to describe this season's snowfall? Have you got any ideas? I bet you have. What's your idea, Jim? <laughs> I've... I, I've, I've, I've basically I've just got a list of quick puns. I've got uh, a nezulation, um, snowpocalypse, oh, yeah. which is pretty easy. Um, judgment, judgment, say right. no. a snow catastrophe. Yeah. Oh, these are great. I like snow oblivion. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then I've got end of the ski world, which is quite niche, and oh. uh, some people probably wouldn't no. know that. We we do tend to be a bit Frencher focused. You could make it a bit more German Austrian by calling it judgment schnee. Ah, oh, yeah, that's that's yeah. good. I like that. So there you go, Judgment Day. But you know, I see uh, from a news report I read, uh, you know, just checking how things are. It looks like there's even more coming down. We talked about another kind of metre fall this weekend, which um, will probably affect transfer day a little bit as well. I think you know, we're talking Saturday and Sunday, more accumulated snowfall of you know fifty to hundred centimetres. Quite a lot. Right, let's get on with the news. Ian, you're up first. What have you got for us? Oh, well, I noticed an article uh, published in The Telegraph the other day. And you know, generally, I always uh, you know, have a look at The Telegraph uh, ski articles. But this was more a comment sort of thing and uh, by Griff Rich Jones, you know, famous if you remember the uh, 80s or he might do things about sailing down rivers now. I'm, I'm not really too sure. But um, he came across as a bit of a twat, I thought, uh, talking about how charmless resorts and the yattering middle classes ruin skiing in Europe. And he goes on to uh, blab about how he's tried skiing a few times, but he found it a bit busy. And uh, basically, if fewer people went, then skiing would be more popular. Now, I might be a yattering middle class person myself, but he just came across as, uh, you know, they, the telegrapher said to him, right, we want 400 words for this week. What can you come up with? And the, this was the best he could do. Yeah, I totally agree. It definitely just sounds like a man who's desperate with a paycheck, desperate to fill some column inches. You know, and it comes off the back of um, Claudia Winkleman, who's still waiting. I'm still waiting for her to respond. Her moaning about uh, skiing. And uh, Davina McCall is uh, um, last year saying she wouldn't ski because it was too dangerous. These celebrities need to get a grip. Is the, Crystal, this is the sort of hard-cutting news topics. We could have been speaking about Julia Mancuso leaving or that kid who fell off the chairlift or you know, North Korea having a new ski resort. But no, we're just talking yeah. about Griffiths Jones. He's not that, not that interested in skiing. <laughs> no, we need a group ski holiday with all these guys on it. This yeah, sounds great. No, that, would be, that would be perfect. We could uh, you know, really show them how to make it work. To be fair to the Telegraph, they did stick a couple of resorts at the bottom there where he thought... Uh, he might get more charm. So it wasn't wholly uh, negative. But it, if you, I'll send the tweet the link out later. And if you read below the line for the comments, you can see some fairly choice stuff in there. 
Absolutely. Maybe he's just trying to get a new TV show. Uh, I don't know, three men in a <laughs> ski gondola or something. Whatever, whatever he features on, I'm not sure. Right, um, should we move on to the next news article? Um, it will come as no surprise that Brits like to have a drink on holiday. Skiing has long had the reputation of apres ski and wine drinking. This week, a report has been released by Direct Line Insurance Company that states nearly 400,000 UK skiers plan to drink ski. Not apres ski, but drink during the day skiing. Um, 61% of those surveyed say consuming alcohol on the slopes is sociable and not dangerous. Uh, this image of boozy Brits will only grow as Prince Harry is rumoured to be planning his stag do in Verbier. Um, is it a sport if you can drink during it? Does this make skiing more comparable to snooker, darts and skittles? Um, should world-class races be more representative if in between runs, Findel stops at the Folly Deuce for a Jägerbahn or a Jug of Amstel? Should that be what, what skiing is more about? Um, Ian, as a dedicated skier and a man that has reduced his alcohol consumption over a preference for performance, do you begrudge uh, a holiday for a drink? Begrudge them a drink, but I seriously doubt the, uh, the stats that they've uh, come up with here about the amount of people who are, uh, or how much people are, are knocking back. You know, well, they say they're going to drink something like fifteen units yeah, during average. the day during skiing. Yeah, yeah. So wow. you know, I don't begrudge people a drink, and some people. Might enjoy, you know, a beer or a glass of wine at lunchtime, and 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 why not? And certainly, you know, stopping off at the um, various apres ski venues, whichever resort you're in, the, the KK or the Musava or the Rompois, etc., and having a few drinks afterwards, you know, so much better. Um, but uh, yeah, not too much. I mean, it's a waste of time, isn't it? You just get too drunk, you're going to fall over. You don't get your skiing time. Yeah. Yeah, being curmudgeonly about it. And also, it, it affects your ski insurance as well. Like, if you are, you know, over the limit, there's the ski insurance companies potentially won't pay out if you had an accident on the slope. So, essentially, you're doing something very dangerous and you could be left with a yeah. huge bill for it. Yeah, some of them you can't drink at all, I think, on some insurances. Really? Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> we should have got Martin Lewis in. Um, <laughs> Crystal, um, uh, skiing and drinking just go hand in hand, don't they? It's, uh, exactly, it's, it's part yeah. of the culture. It is the culture, and especially it's sort of the culture in life for young people as it is anyway. Um, it's becoming more of a thing in the UK. On summer holidays, it's exactly the same. So it's just it's just going over to ski holidays now. And there's so much temptation on the slopes, you know, as we said, the huge mountain bars um just with all their loud music and stuff it's like as soon as you go past you're like yep i want to stop there um but yeah if, if you're like most people are pretty keen skiers so you know they may stop for a quick one maybe two but then yeah you're losing ski time it's only especially in like some parts like sort of december january you know your ski days are quite short so you want to hopefully people try and make the most of the ski time on the slopes rather than sitting in the bar all the time but yeah once the slopes are closed there's lots of opportunities to go do what you like. And I guess it's also tricky when you have like unlimited wine at dinner for most chalet holidays and stuff as well. So Yeah. Now that I get, I can see how, you know, your average after skiing would be boosted because when you've got the free wine at dinner, then you really don't, it's hard to kind of, uh, to limit yourself. It's more in the day. Mm. 
Um, but you know the folly, the folly deuce, and you know that kind of experience. I mean, is brilliant when you're uh, when you're on the terrace there, and they've got their show going on, and it's a brilliant atmosphere, uh, etc. But um, you know, you said you, you ski past uh, Crystal, and you, you hear the loud music, and think you've got to stop. Just, just, just wait until you catch up with uh, my age. When you hear that loud music, it's, it, it becomes less of an incentive to actually stop, and more of an incentive to keep going. <laughs> Especially with the well, the, some of the bar tabs that you get there, and the prices of beers now so <laughs> magic um crystal um have you got any news for us yes i do um so i've stuck to the sort of what i found is the most exciting news in sort of like the ski holiday world and um club med have announced their next project which opens next winter so it's the club med Lazarks panorama so this will be their new flagship um with uh, four trident and luxury five trident space so this will be really popular because there's limited luxury options in Lazark. Uh, so the building has already started being built. You can actually ski past it now, I believe. Um, so on the way down to 1600. So you can see like the size of the site. Apparently it's absolutely huge. Um, so yeah, and it's going to feature some like incredible, innovating new experiences, including sort of easy check-in. So digital like room key bracelets, dynamic screens. So they're really going very digital sort of modern age with this new hotel. And there's going to be like awesome new concepts, like there's this family restaurant, which will be led by the kids. So the kids go in um, when they're in childcare, they sort of design the menus, um, they make a new soup, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice. <laughs> um, and there's also like dedicated sort of adult areas as well, as well as sort of outside, inside pools. Um, I think there's like three restaurants, three bars. It it just sounds amazing, really, and it's quite exciting. Which which bit of uh, Lazart did you say that? So I think the um, I think it's at 1750, but it's sort of the nearest village <clears throat> is 1600. Right. Oh, so the bit okay. where you go around the corner where the UCPA is. Uh, possibly, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm afraid that you're kind of upgrading the UCPA to uh, Club Med. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Possibly that's what they're doing. I think it's the only, I, I it's the only quite... part of um, Arc that hasn't got a Club Med. I think they've got one every right. single station now. Yeah, Paisley and right. uh, 2000. So yeah, this will be their fifth Club Med in Paradise okay. Ski, which is quite exciting. I think I think it's quite interesting. I mean, we mentioned last in the last uh, podcast how uh, Club Med were kind of expanding and and doing more, but also for Les Arc itself, because I think this winter they opened their first, uh, the first five-star hotel opened in yeah, the it's Kind of another indicator uh, of how almost every resort is just trying to upgrade the property stock and improve what they've uh, they've got because you know people are more more demanding now. And if you're a resort that doesn't you know have these uh, uh, features, then people are just going to pass you by. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame because um, Lazark is a, one of my favourite ski resorts. I did two seasons there up in 2000, which you might think is quite bleak, but it's some of the best skiing I've ever, ever had. Yeah. It's a really Great good skiing. area. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they brought 2000, um, 1950 came along and that kind of was the beginning of them kind of upgrading themselves, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've got a chance, go into it. Yeah, it used to be the classic place, uh, you know, when people would be critical about French apartments and they'd say, oh, you know, you're squeezing um, four people into uh, into one room or something like that. It'd be the smallest uh, square meterage per person in the Alps, I think. Griffith Jones would hate it. Oh, oh, that's where we should make him go. We should make him go there. Except they don't have that anymore, you know, those sort of things. I, I seem to remember when I was a, a, a rep back for Crystal, we had a guest who came out uh, and he uh, said to me, 
he'd, he'd been staying uh, actually in Teen, to be fair, not in Les Arcs, in a, an apartment. Um, can't remember what it was called. Uh, club, pub something. And he said to me, I'm a prison officer and you have less space in those apartments than we allow prisoners. Oh, my gosh. It probably means we're being too soft on, on, on prisoners. I think I had exactly the same conversation with a, a family of five Irishmen who stayed in that same apartment block when I was a rep for, for Crystal. Um, uh, brilliant. Um, can I just ask a quick question about this? Um, you, you at Igloo, Crystal, push yeah. um, Club Med quite hard. I mean, it's a great product and I know you get good commission on it. But why do you think people will book that directly with you as opposed to going to the tour operator? Um, we have a great sales team. Um, so we've been working with Club Med for years now and a lot of the team has been there. We pretty much are pretty sure we've had at least one person visit each one of those properties, uh, ski and sun. So we can sell the sun holidays as well. Um, so we've got an expert team, which uh, the direct Club Med sales team might not necessarily have um so and yeah just our expertise and it's the variety so you know we might not necessarily have people call up wanting a club med holiday but when we talk about them with different options it might turn out that club med is best for them um so and all they might not even know about club med particularly it's great for families because you get the inclusive childcare and things so it's not necessarily like people will come to us directly for club med um, but it may work out being the best for them. And when you talk to our agents, we can discuss that and see what's best for you. Smashing. Well, we'll probably hear more about that later. And that was some ski news. Uh, over to Ian now for a report on the French Pyrenees. Uh, yeah, I mean, just when I was out there uh, last week, I think I went for five nights uh, in total. And I, and I had skied in the Pyrenees before in Barège, but it was back in the uh, in the 1980s uh, which it was a very cheap uh, student trip um, but the good news is it's still pretty uh, pretty inexpensive uh, uh, over there and I went to four different resorts uh, or maybe five depending how you want to define it and just you know I can't help rhapsodizing about it I just had such a brilliant time you know the snow was really good um, you know, it wasn't the sort of depths that we've been seeing uh, in the in the Tarantaires and Chamonix and you know uh, somewhere elsewhere. But I skied powder every day that I was on the slopes, and there was no one around. It was just I know you said uh, the slopes in general are empty, but it was just you know so quiet. Um, I skied in Saint Laurie, which is a kind of more of a family type of resort. Just if you drive down the road, it's twenty kilometres to Spain, and so Saint Laurie has tapas bars around town and you can get churros and it has that real spanish influence uh, you know going on i went over to a smaller resort called uh, perigud which you know was, was there was some good skiing there um but there's spas all over the area went to a brilliant spa lots of uh you know high-tech uh, spas but the best skiing uh, i had was in uh, grand tourmalet which is La Mangie and Barege are the two ski resorts and they just billet Grand Tourmalet. And I went with a guide and just superb off-piste, went up to the, the Pic de Midi, which is the highest observatory in, uh, in Europe. It's 2,900 and skied down off the back. Uh, and, you know, it kind of reminded me a bit of the Vallée Blanche in that you, you're kind of well away from everything. There was no one there. We, you know, we saw one single skier, and that was right at the top. And then we didn't see anyone else uh, in our in a seventeen fifteen hundred meter uh, vertical descent. 
so uh, went on to Courteray as well. <clears throat> Small area, amazing amount of snow they have there. And um, that's more the sort of place I'd go. Next time, Jim, you want to do one of your weekend uh, romantic breaks, um, then I would recommend Courteray. Very lovely uh, French town. And, you know, no British people either. You know, I would consider that to be a bonus. Bonus, a plus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's sort of price-wise? What are we comparing it to? Um, do you mean cost of accommodation? I, you know, I just in general, if you're comparing it to the Tarantes, you know, there's a price advantage on on every point, whether it's um, the accommodation, the lift pass, uh, ski hire. Um, if you're in the Stansted area or within reach of Stansted, you can fly from Stansted direct to Tarb Lord um, Airport. And from there, it's uh, if you go to like Courtrai or Grand Tourmalet, it's uh, you know forty-five minutes to the resort. I flew to Toulouse, uh, Toulouse from Gatwick, and from there it was two hours uh, drive to resort. So you know, comparable transfer times, but again, you can get you know less expensive flights because they're just not in uh, as demand as that Geneva, Zurich, uh, Lyon, you know, possibly uh, Chambéry flights. Amazing. I think yeah. I'll put it on next hey, winter's Already, list. I've decided, you know, I go for a kind of, you know, the classic boys weekend um, bit of a backcountry skiing with a guide. And, you know, recent years we've been to Chamonix, La Grave, Engelberg, Andermatt, going this year to Alanya. And next year we're going to go to Grand Tourmalet because I was just so impressed with it. Knowledge is Powder, the nonsensical name for the nonsensical podcast. This is the podcast for skiers and snowboarders. To get in touch with the show, tweet at the ski podcast or email the ski podcast at gmail.com. Today we're joined by Crystal Kubicki, the ski marketing manager at Igloo Ski. She has previously worked in the resorts um, for the mighty Tui. Um, I think that's a ski industry rite of passage. Um, Crystal's also been part of the London Freeze Festival team. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us and your input so far. First, let's start talking about your employer. Who are they? Give us some stats. Who are they? They are Igloo Ski. Um, so, yeah, as you said before, we are the UK's largest travel agency. So we work with well over 60 tour operators including all the the big dogs uh ingham ski total nielsen um mark warner crystal ski so all the big names um we work with them and sell their holidays to our customers and what's your role for um for them my role digital marketing manager you're the role of the digital marketing manager so your job is to um, tell people what the conditions are like uh, that, that is a part of it, yeah. Um, so I mainly specialise in uh, the email, social and the website content for Igloo Ski. So we do have a large in-house team um, that manage all the Igloo brands. So we also have, so it's Igloo Ski, Igloo Cruise and Planet Cruise. So mix of ski and cruise. But I'm the dedicated ski resource for our marketing team. Um, and sort of everyone else either just focuses on the cruise or they work with all three brands in their specialist areas, such as like, you know, PPC, SEO, graphics, third-party activity. They're all specialised and they sort of, I don't tend to do that side of things although I often find myself being part of that as well as I'm sort of the ski expert of the team um so but yeah on a day-to-day basis I sort of just work on our email campaigns and uh, managing social networks talking about snow <laughs> and just keeping the website up to date as well as working with our sort of commercial sales and our key partners uh-huh. yeah fun now now for me um skiing you know, we on this podcast and in life, we all talk about skiing quite factually. You know, this is the best resort. This is a good resort. It does this. It does that. And 
I find it is always really hard to get down to that fundamental thing, which is the passion about skiing. How do you get that across as a message? Yeah, so, yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, so, obviously, I have my personal views on some of my favourite resorts and what I love about it. But then also, you know, we work, our customers are such a huge um, mix of people. Like, you, as much as we can be like, you know, the majority of our database is so-and-so age from so-and-so place, Um you know there's a broad amount of people so you've just got to try and it's trying kind of hard trying to sort of um i guess market to all those different types of people and what the different people might like and things um so but luckily digital marketing it's progressed so much you know we can do so much more and we can sort of make our information personalized and just market to certain segments of database so it's yeah so it's hard to just try and keep a broad overline of trying to um push what we love and ski to certain people but i think the best way is to try and make sure you're looking at all those different groups of people and try and finding out what the best way of um sort of marketing to those people and finding out what they love because we are so lucky to be working in working for ski you know at least we're not trying to market like cleaning products or anything like that we it's a amazing experience and it's well a relatively easy sell but um you know we all love skiing and this is why we do it every year well skiing is the easy sell but you as a, a person are trying to sell your company more than that necessarily and getting them to come to you to help them find a ski holiday do you think the travel agent is ever going to end or do you think it is a fundamental thing that will just always exist i i think it will always exist um it's as a word that gets thrown around a lot is a one-stop shop um, and I think the travel agent is that more than any tour operator because we do have such a huge range of holidays um, you know we, we have customers that have been with us say for, you know 10 years or plus and those people will be changing throughout their lives you know they they might have come on to us as like a group holiday or just a couple and now they've got the family so their ski holidays will want to change and um, and yeah, we've had, you know, some people yeah, that, yeah, they started off on, say, uh, sort of an Ingham's or a Ski Total type holiday. And, you know, they've progressed on to sort of Mark Warner or an Esprit family holiday and even progressed on to like a Club Med now. So, you know, at least with and us. Then, and then further on, they progress on to a Saga option as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we can uh, yeah, sell them credit <coughs> at that age as well. <laughs> can, I, can I ask a quick question about the social uh, side of things? Yeah, what's, your, what's your most viral post you've had out recently? Oh, this is actually quite, um, I don't mean to talk about it so much, but I did a post about the new Lazark's panorama, the new Club Med Lazark's panorama, and that went crazy. Um, But apart from that, I was so surprised about the amount of people, but they're pretty pictures, so that's probably why the people were liking it. But then it's just the snow, the snow videos every time, you know, any bit of snow information. There was a video, um, I think it was from a restaurant in Val d'Isere, where they had to dig their way out. Um, yeah. by the kitchen to try and to, to, block, to unblock the snow that was blocking the door so that was quite interesting and sort of a funny yeah. way of looking and yeah, yeah there have been a few I've seen of teen as well where you know there is so much snow that you're actually digging out the door to get in and out of uh, you know hotels bars etc yeah so even though it's a bit like I feel like I was going to scare people by putting like sharing some of those videos but yeah people yeah. love it yeah 
Yeah, you know, you don't want to put people off by the fact there's, uh, you know, so much snow. But uh, as we discussed before, as long as uh, you're not heading out that week, you've got to just check the forecast for your late bookings. Yeah, exactly. Or um, just take a punt. You know, even if you only had one blue sky day in a week, but you had amazing powder, it'd almost be worth it, given the amount of weeks you can go and never get any good skiing in. Exactly. Well, you think about the last season, you could have gone the whole season as a season A. You didn't get any powder days, really, did you? Yeah, well, my trip, you know, last week, I skied powder on the, the four days, I think it was, that I uh, skied. But, uh, you know, that was, the, that was the best I'd had for two years, just because of the timings of the trips. And I've been out the Alps, you know, four times a year. Um, Crystal, can I ask just um, finally, before we finish up, what has the, been the biggest change that you've seen um, in ski holidays since you started working in the industry? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, the biggest change, uh, just the variety, really. Um, so it's not really your traditional seven days chalet holiday anymore. There's huge amounts of selections like ski weekends and short breaks. You know, they've increased hugely and we're getting so much, um, so many inquiries for people. Um, so it's just like the flexibility of ski holidays now. And sort of, as we've mentioned before, like all inclusive is on the high. Um, people wanting to do like 14 week, uh, 14 day trips. Um, so yeah, people are really going away from that seven day holiday. Um, and they're just trying to change it up. They're trying to fit in more holidays. So they might do the week and then the short break at the end of the season or vice versa. Um, so, yeah, it's just like with the amount of more flights available and tour operators are being a bit more flexible with their dates. You know, if there are certain weeks where they might not be that busy, they'll split it up into two lots of three day three day short breaks and stuff so we're seeing people like you know ski worlds and inghams you know they're being a bit more flexible with their holidays and their offering and things like this um so yeah it's just the the amount of, of, it, of variety that's available it's very exciting wonderful thank you very much for um uh, coming on the show crystal hope you'll stick around for the next few minutes as we go over to yeah, korean corner with ian ian is it true that there's a club med opening in uh in pyongyang is that right is that what you're talking about <laughs> It could well be the case. Um, I think we've reached our Club Med quota for this, uh, <laughs> this uh, podcast. Club Med. Sorry for that. <laughs> uh, no, we've got, um, you know, there have been some good results since our last uh, pod uh, in terms of, you know, potential medals. And actually, I was just looking at the, the target uh, for Pyeongchang uh, in terms of how much has been invested. Now, the one we're most interested in is uh, skiing and snowboard. I know you have a penchant uh, gym for curling. Yeah, uh, but you know, f- over five million has been invested into uh, ski and snowboard in this cycle. They are looking the uh, the BOC are looking for a minimum of two medals and a maximum of three medals. So you know, last time round when Jenny Jones won, that was the first ever Alpine uh, medal, Alan Baxter's uh, mishap uh, notwithstanding. So minimum is to double that, uh, and you know, our best chances realistically our jasmine taylor is in great form she is a telemarker and uh she's had uh she's had two podiums um at the season opener in december she's had a couple of thirds um two weekends ago and uh that's 12 uh, world cup podium finishes uh, now so she looks a very good chance uh for medals um also in the freestyle uh, side of things um, Izzy Atkin picked up third uh, in the World Cup uh, last weekend in Snowmass. And 
I was actually in my uh, in my hotel and watched this on the telly, and you know, really quite great to uh, to watch a whole uh, freestyle uh, event. It was it was slope style. James Woods um, put in a really good second run in the same event, and he came sixth. So that means that uh, you know Atkin, you know, she's a previous uh, World Championships bronze medalist. She has won a World Cup uh, event before, so she's got to be a possibility uh, for a medal. And you know, in those sort of events where you get a couple of runs in the final, you know, one could be really bad, but if it all comes together on that uh, on one of the runs, you know, it can be your day. So you know, Atkin, Woodsy, possibly in in slope style, and also there's Katie Ormrod who's, you know, had plenty of podiums and picked up a, uh, a second in the Milan and that snowboard big air. Outside chance, Katie Summerhays uh, for slope style. Uh, and then on the cross-country side of things, we've got um, Andrew Musgave and Andrew Young. I wouldn't say either of them are likely to pick up medals, but they're, they're both possibilities. They've been picking up <clears throat> kind of 10th, 13th sort of places. There's also a team event where um, Britain managed to come uh, sixth recently in the team sprint, which is a very good result for them. And then, of course, we've got the one that most people seem to have heard of, um, which is Dave Riding. You know, he's had he's had some good results. He's been improving, but he did actually wipe out in his last event in uh, in Vengen. Uh, but tomorrow he's going to be skiing in Kitzbühel. And Kitzbühel is where he became the first British Alpine skier to, to get a podium in 35 years when he came second last year. So, you know, maybe that's his lucky venue. He's He's, you know, he's skiing into form and he's probably an outside chance as well. So, you know, I reckon that that two medals, very good chance. Three medals, also a good chance. And who knows, we could end up with more than that out of skiing and snowboard. Exciting stuff. Um, Crystal, who are you going to be watching? What are you looking forward to? Oh, um, unfortunately, is the the hours aren't very uh, great for us. Um, so Pyeongchang is nine hours ahead of us. So a lot of the um, events will be at night. But um, I have worked out there's a couple of sort of Friday, Saturday night, um, late night events, which is quite exciting. Um, as a snowboarder, I'm quite excited for sort of um, the snowboard slope style and like the big air as well. I don't, don't think the teams have been finalised for that yet. But no, I'm actually, hoping... they're picking. I forgot to say that the the teams will be announced uh, this week on the 25th of January. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so there's, um, yeah, so hopefully we'll get like Billy Morgan and sort of Jamie Nichols. Hopefully we'll be in some of the men's finals for that. I think they'll, they'll be in the finals. It would be a real, um, I mean, great, great to watch and for, to have them there. And, you know, for anyone who can get to the Olympics and compete there is fantastic. In terms of the medals, um, yeah. I don't think they're likely to, to be getting medals, but, you know, who yeah. knows? Who knows? But, you know, I think it'd be interesting to talk in a, in a, future podcast perhaps about how you ascertain whether it's worth spending five million one hundred and forty five thousand two hundred and ninety three pounds <laughs> on trying to generate two or three medals yeah that's true how much does a medal weigh <laughs> i don't think they're solid gold uh, or, or silver or bronze yeah i don't know they are pretty chunky i've seen um, a few olympic medals and i'm trying to think uh the yeah i've handled one or two but uh yeah and handled another man's medal right <laughs> actually it was another woman's medal if that makes you feel I, any not, better at all i'm as i'm comfortable either either <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. 
Because you say that the timing's all out. Is I mean, I've done the math. I can wake up and watch like the end of most of the curling matches. They go on really <laughs> yeah, Right, uh, that is all we have this week. Thanks for joining us. Um, and huge thanks to Crystal for joining us this week. Also, please, if you like the podcast, share it with your pals. I know Crystal will be probably including this in her next newsletter. And de- she'll definitely be sharing it with her co-workers in, an aggress- in a regrettable group email. So um, <laughs> why don't you do the same or share it on your Facebook page? From me and Ian, thank you very much for listening. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.